Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. Have I got any people who have been born again who are glad that you are? <laughs> That was, a, that was a definite 8 out of 10. Let me just go one more time. Anyone here who's been born again, you've been born by the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and you know God has saved you. Anybody here grateful for that? We need to give Him one more hand. Come on, give the Lord one more hand for our salvation. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was thinking this morning, uh, in this, the day we're living in, it's a bit crazy around the world, right? But then I remembered I was crazy. Anybody have a remembrance? You were like, hey, this place is a bit crazy. And then you go, oh, I, was, I was crazy. But the reason I'm less crazy <laughs> is because of Jesus. And we need to all just, in a, in a way, just again this morning, be reminded and be grateful for the fact that God's work has saved you. It's God's work that saved you. We have to respond. But it's the work of God that has saved us and has, and hello, hello, filled us, by the, filled us with the Holy Spirit, caused us to be born into God's uh, church and kingdom, number one. And all of that is the work of God. So don't ever get caught up with what people do, everybody. And I think Geordie said it so well Friday night, that when, you're, when you don't know the Lord, when you're lost, you can't see. When you're, when you're blind, you can't see. So I was blind, and then through being born again, Jesus opened my eyes. And uh, I want to encourage everybody. Let's have grace for everybody who doesn't know the Lord, who doesn't think how you think, because everything changes when you're born by the Holy Spirit. You see differently. You think differently. You speak differently in time. Maybe not straight away. For some of us, it was like radically straight away. But uh, for others, in time, you will start to be changed because the Holy Spirit's working from the inside out to do a great work in your life. So I'm continuing today. Uh, last week we had Pastor Izzy. Friday night, to, uh, Geordie spoke another great message Friday night. So if you weren't here Friday night, you want to, might want to get that podcast. It was really, really very helpful. Pastor Izzy again last week, such a powerful message. Pastor Spencer, our team are all just bringing such gold at the moment. So uh, I'm very blessed to be able to uh, help release them and launch them into their callings. And uh, we need to be so grateful because we've got a house full of people bringing the word. And uh, I love that. It's not just a couple, but there's a whole lot in our team here who God is using and now using in our state as well, which is awesome. Uh, so today I'm going to continue on with kingdom birthing class. Uh, so some of us have been to natural birthing classes. Who still remembers those? Who's going there now? But uh, I'm talking about the kingdom birthing class, part two, because... We need to understand, and I want to encourage you, you need to understand that you don't actually get into God's kingdom through your grandparents being a Christian. You, you don't get into God's kingdom through your parents attending church. Your parents can attend church and not be Christians themselves. Your grandparents can attend. You can attend a church. Because what happens is many people build their faith life or their life and their thinking upon traditions of men rather than what the word of God says so around the world many times we see the church being weak not being strong not being powerful 
uh, mentors who, not because people don't want that, but because of wrong thinking and wrong teaching. And so I cannot be saved because I went to religious school as a child. I was sprinkled as a child. What was that about? Not in the Bible. So there's a lot of things, everybody, that you are partakers of, and so are other traditions of people. And Jesus came out and nailed it in uh, Matthew, and he said, your traditions make the word of God null and void. <laughs> oh, wow. So God, Jesus comes along, the religious people just were thrilled when he arrived. <laughs> He's just saying, your traditions, following what men do, makes my word of no effect. So we need to be very careful, and, uh, and can I encourage you, become a truth person. Become a seeker of truth. Become a seeker of truth, not your truth, the truth. When you become a seeker of truth, God is going to teach you and show you, and I, over years, have spent my, you know, since I got saved 40 years ago this year, spending time to say, Lord, help me to do your will, help me to do your word, and help me to do it from a place as your son, not just from intellectual thinking and pride. <laughs> because I was uh, like you. Many of us hold lots of opinions, and I learned a good while ago, bring your opinions under God. Don't lift your opinion above God's word. And so I had to surrender my opinions and say, Lord, help me to place your word, which the Bible tells us uh, in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, I think it is, that God's word is inspired and breathed by the Holy Spirit. It's breathed by God for teaching, correction, reproof, encouragement to lift us up, give us insight, but it's breathed by God. And so anything breathed by God is above my opinion. So when I talk about kingdom birthing class, everybody, just remind everyone again, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, talking about those who are heaven bound, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, to have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the Bible, once again, telling us not by our strength, nothing by what you do, nothing you can do affects your salvation. By being good, selling cookies for the RSPCA will not get you into heaven. <laughs> Just in case you thought your cookie drive was a winner. Listen, none of it is of you. None of it is of me. None of it is of my religious school attendance. The Bible says that he's caused us, I had to put my faith in him and believe in him, believe on him before I, you know, had any experience of God really. But the Bible says, then you're born again to a living hope. I love that, a living hope. It's hope in this life, hope in the next, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so through that, we've been changed. We've been born into a new life. If Bimaya said it so well, when we are born again, a new life, the life of God is put into us by the Holy Spirit. But the old self-life, which is called in Scripture the flesh, is not taken away. And he said the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. That was F.B. Meyer. 
And that's why, everybody, I have to put myself in church for 40 years. I've put myself in prayer meetings uh, with other, especially in the beginning, other Christians so I could learn to pray. Didn't know, didn't pray, didn't know how to pray. So if you want your spirit man to live, your spirit man to be overcoming your flesh, you have to position yourself in such a way that your spiritual man is growing in strength. So I positioned myself in God's house. Then I was in, uh, actually, I started to go to church Friday and Sunday and everything because I thought I got to get this Christian deal going. Otherwise, I'll be back in the club. <laughs> and anyway, so I was born again, but I just knew I need to be in God's house. Then I'd be in a prayer meeting. Then I'd be in a connect group. Then I was saying, what's the Bible say? Lift up holy hands, worship God. Okay, I need to do that. Why? Because I didn't want my flesh to control any longer. It controlled me, controlled my family for generations, and everybody was bitter, addicted, comforting themselves with alcohol, food, other relationships, everything. And I was like, look, I'm done with that. It hasn't produced anything in these in people. I need, Jesus, what your word says. I need the new life. So help me to get my spirit man rising and strong and my flesh, the lust that's trying to control me, not to do that any longer. Put that down here in Jesus' name. So everybody, every time you position yourself for service, you position yourself for humility. I came along, said to the leaders in church, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. What do you want me to do? How do I help? And God's house. Because I got the clue. This was not a club. Some people treat God's house like it's a club. It's a tennis club. I got the understanding very quickly, this is God's house. Don't mess with it. This is God's people. Whoever the leaders were, don't mess with them. God put them there. And so I was immediately uh, having a change from independence and opinion to service and to bringing myself under the Lord in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So... So can I encourage everybody? That's literally what we need to say, Lord, help us with, that I might let the Spirit of Christ rise within me, hello, and that my flesh might be put down in Jesus' name. You know, somebody once said too, isn't being a Christian all about feeling comfortable and feeling nice? Isn't being a Christian all about feeling comfortable, feeling nice all the time? Actually, no, it's not. And if you base your Christian walk on that, that's some uh, poem you read somewhere. It's not the Word of God. Because 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 to 12, if you guys got this, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 to 12 says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret. Look at that. The sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. I'll just, just keep that there, guys. You know, this is huge because when I became a Christian, the day I became a Christian, I went the next day, sat in the bath, and I cried for three hours. Have you ever sat in a bath for three hours? I just want to confirm you can't get out at the end. <laughs> and your skin is now a prune. But anyway, but it was actually not a natural thing. I sat in the bath, and I was, started to cry. I hadn't cried since I was a little kid. And I was now 18, nearly 19, and I started to cry and I could not work out why I could feel God's love. I wasn't from a Christian background, and I'm, I'm from hell, a hellish home, and I'm in the bath going, I can feel your love, I can feel your forgiveness, I can feel your acceptance, I can feel it. And I said to God in the bath, why are you doing this to me? I said to God, why are you doing this? Why are you touching me and 
and you know, um, I can feel your love. Why is that on me? What, what's happening? Why are you doing it? Especially because of the life I'd been living and, uh, and my voice, my swearing, my et cetera, et cetera. And I realized that my tears of sorrow to God over sin, even to the age of 19. Now, that, that's not a long, long age, but there's quite a bit of stuff in there. <laughs> and I was sorry for it. I was sorry that I had, listen, everybody, sinned against God. I was sorry that I'd hurt God. And I'd sorry that, you know, I'd at times sworn against God. And now God was being merciful and kind to me, and I knew I didn't deserve it. But I was sorry. And that sorrow, the Bible says, produces a repentance. What is a repentance? It means my thinking was changing that day. Even that day, my thinking was changing. I'd been in the world. I'd been angry. I'd been angry with my parents. I'd been out doing all kinds of stuff. But now my thinking already was changing. And I was not regretting my decision to follow Christ in the bath (laughs) the following morning. And that, the Bible says, leads to salvation. But sometimes people come into God's kingdom and come into its house and they're coming to church and they're like, my life out in the world, she burnt me, she sucks, or he did this to me, or my job went wrong, or my parents didn't realize how great I was and everybody burnt me, I'm going to go do the Christian thing. Yes, God, help me and put some good people around me because I need it. And uh, and I've got burnt out there and I'm sorrowful over uh, what the world did to me. Well, the Bible says, sorrow over what the world did to you and what you did in the world that hurt you, the Bible says that produces death. That's why you see some people come to church for a while, all excited, and then they're gone. Why do some people wander around churches? Because they're foster children in the natural, maybe, but foster children in the kingdom. If you... if if you come from a family like I am from, where your mother or father can walk out on your family or walk out on the parent, listen, everybody, the propensity in you to walk out of God's church is up here. The very thing that will take you to break through by being planted in a house, in a church, becoming an oak tree in the house, if your parents walked out on one another or needed to walk out on one another, your propensity for never getting into God's will will be the fact is that you're a foster child in the church. You go from church to church because if your parents can walk out on each other, you can walk out of a church unless you're dealing with that. Unless you're dealing with that. I've worked for 40 years to deal with I'm not walking out on people. Even though my dad checked out on us when I was a baby, I'm not going to check out on God or his house or his people. But that's a 40-year deal, working through that. So everybody, just have a quick check. What's your sorrow? What's brought you here? Oh, miss my parents. They go to church. That's not the sorrow that produces life and eternal life. Oh, yeah, I came at church because I miss my friends. That is not producing eternal life in any way, according to the Scripture. We've got to be in the kingdom... And the only way you can be in the kingdom is through repentance of God. I'm sorry I hurt you. 
I sinned against you. I sinned against myself. Maybe you sinned against your family. Lord, I've hurt your people. I hurt your church. God, I apologize and I repent. And I'm sorry. And God says, whoa, here comes grace. Here comes mercy. Here comes love. Here comes forgiveness. <laughs> here comes another chance at getting the real deal. Everybody, aim for the real thing. Go for the real thing. Go and sit in the bath for three hours. It's a good deal. <laughs> good deal. I got to have that bath different. And if you remember my mum, because she kept telling me, God's going to save you. God's going to use you. God's going to save you. I don't even know what she's talking about. Just stop saying that to me. God's going to save you. God's going to use you. Shut up. And then after three hours, she's like on the bathroom door. You've been in there for three hours. What are you doing? <laughs> I become a Christian. Shut up. Go away. <laughs> and I hear my mother. Ah! Ah! And then I hear the phone. She's rung one brother. He's rung the other brother. And I'm like, I didn't tell you you could tell everybody. And I hear my mother. Too late. Gee. For those who don't know the story of my mother, even before, it was about six months before she died, she asked me how many people were getting saved at church. She goes, how many people are getting saved at church? She's like 87. And I told her, oh, this, and then Friday night. This. And then she goes, well, that's not very good, is it? <laughs> she goes, your team needs to work on upping that, don't they? Spencer, Luke, anyway. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> but how's that? I'm like, Mum, you're 87. <laughs> She's like, I'm just reminding you it's all about salvations. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh now the Lord can work with her. Anyway. <laughs> can you pray for the Lord? Anyway. <laughs> so. You can't save yourself, everybody. All you can do is surrender yourself. You can't save yourself, but you can surrender yourself. I worked out that my life in the scheme of eternity does not make a lot of difference. On the planet, what I think in my life, but Jesus, who ministered for three years, can you? Three years. Half of us are still going for our driving test on the fifth year. <laughs> Can't quite get it, right? And Jesus ministers for three years and changes the world. People who mock Christianity and whatever or don't, they'll all be dead and gone. No one will remember their name. Maybe a couple of family for a little while, then no one will remember them. And Jesus who ministered for three years, is remembered for eternity in every country and every culture forever. Why? Because he's God and we are not. <laughs> so here's the good news. Lose the striving and start the surrendering. Lose the striving, start the surrendering. Every person here is unfulfilled or unhappy in some area of their life. Every person. Every person is unfulfilled, unhappy, or you were. Some of you go, you know, I'm, I'm, there'll be little areas for, you know, believers will still have those little areas for sure. 
But there's other people right now, that is actually the sign of your life. Unfulfilled, unhappy. I'm not talking about little, little areas. I'm talking about that's your life. And Jesus has come now to fill that hole in you. He's coming to fill it. You know, uh, I don't know if you guys remember years, when, years ago, soon I took a long service and you guys gave us a trip. We went overseas. We were in New York. And uh, I decided to go to this restaurant in New York. Anybody ever been to Carmine's in New York? Let me see. Anybody ever been there? You need to go. Okay, so if you go to New York ever, after when this thing's all over, you need to go to Carmine's. It's right on Times Square. Anyway, Sue and I went there, and we went to, because it's, this, it's really an iconic Italian restaurant. The mafia used to go there. That kind of attracts me as well. <laughs> I'm on holidays. No. So, so I said to Sue, let's go. And uh, by the way, order one meal, one meal. That's it. Like the portions, I'm unbelievable. So anyway, Sue and I go, and they didn't have a table. So the guy says to me and Sue, do you want to sit at the bar here? We feed everybody here as well. And I said, well, you've got no tables. He goes, no. So I said to Sue, will we do it, have that experience? So she goes, yeah, let's sit there. So we sat there, and we're sitting at the, the bar, and then this guy comes and sits right next to me, and he is New Yorker. He's loud. He is, like, out there, right? So I'm like, well, this is going to be fun. I said, we're getting dinner and a show. Anyway... <laughs> So anyway, so he starts talking to me, and he's hilarious. He's like, he is like, he's got that much going on. He's got Botox everywhere. He's got, he's got, he's got hair. He's got the face. He's going spray. He is trying to be absolutely the perfect guy, right? So, um, so I start talking to him, and we're, we're only two minutes in. He goes, how much do you think I'm worth? I'm about to order a prawn cocktail, you know, like, huh? He's like, how much, look at me, what do you think I'm worth? What do you think, what do you think? And I went, I don't know. And he goes, hang on, where are you from? I go, I'm from Australia. He goes, Australia, oh, okay, you might not know. Anyway, so, <laughs> so then I go, I don't know. He goes, no, I want you to have a guess. Just look, what do you think I'm worth? And I go, I don't know, 10 mil? He goes, he looks like this, he's like this, 100. I went, oh, good for you. Like 100 mil. He says, I know, 100 mil. It's good, right? So I'm like, yeah, it's good. Anyway, and then he's got the menu out. He goes, oh, this menu, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I went, why can't you deal with it? And he goes, oh, I can't have that. I can't have that. I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. Anyway, and he goes, oh, look, I'm ordering it. I'm going to order that. So, so I'm saying to Sue, this is great. So, so he orders, right, all this food. It all comes. And then now he's battling. Oh, I just should know. And oh, and I'm just like, this is, soon I've ordered our dish and I'm just enjoying this guy's. I shouldn't be enjoying it. But it was, he was just like, oh. So anyway, next minute, he's like, this is for you and your wife. Okay, because I can't have that. And I shouldn't have that. And I'm trying to keep my BMI under this. And I'm trying to keep my da 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 And I'm trying to, so he starts dishing out prawns to me to give to Sue. And so I'm like, look, we'll just try and start with this. No, 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 I can't have it. I'm going to be really happy if you have it. So anyway, it was just hilarious. So I started to realize this poor guy who's got the money, the whole deal, is about as unhappy as you could get. He's controlled by what people think of him. He's controlled by how he looks. He's, control he's just controlled. Anyway, his wife arrived a bit later, and she was uh, less controlled. She was a really nice lady. But I was getting stressed out just having food next to him. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even your relative. I'm not even your friend. And I'm stressed out being with you about what's about to happen, what you can't deal with. 
I was like, this is exhausting. Anyway, so the next minute, right, you ready for this? He goes to me, how old am I? We're getting, this, this is how insecure the poor guy is. How old am I? Well, I'm looking at him again, I go, and I'm thinking, he's spent a lot of money here. <laughs> There's a lot of money here. Anyway, so I can tell by the amount of work that he's had done, which he's really proud about, he's wanting me to say he's in his early 50s, right? So I'm thinking, you're probably near 70. But I'll, anyway, so I just, to rather than start the volcano, <laughs> I just said, oh, 50s? And he goes, I knew it. That's what everybody says. I knew it. That's what everybody says. They all say that. I said, yeah, yeah, you look good, man. You're looking good. And he does look good, right? He looks good. But it's a lot of work, right? Well, then he says to me, I wanna, what does your wife think about how old I am? Sue's talking to a lady next to her, and I said, oh, she's busy, she's caught up, she's caught up. For those who don't know Sue, she's gracious, but she's a truth teller. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> don't. <laughs> I'm like, so he's like, got his arm, go to cross me. No, 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 I want your wife. Uh, she's Australian too, and then, no, she's British. The British, they're quite forthright. Anyway, in a polite way. So he's like, he's shooting across me with his arm right like this. So, and I'm like, no, no, she's caught up. She's talking, right? So she, eat your food. <laughs> well, the next minute he goes, no. He goes up around me and he goes to Sue. I've been talking to your husband for the last half an hour. She goes, oh, yeah, I know. You're having a good time. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are from Australia? And all that's right. So then he goes, Sue, I want to know from you. I asked your husband, how old do you think I look? This is how desperate the guy is, right? So I'm like, dear Lord, now, could you just knock Sue over in the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Take me to heaven. <laughs> you have options, Lord. Whatever you wish to do, feel free. And then Sue looks up and I'm like, oh no, she's got a truthful look in her eyes. No, no, no. <laughs> and Sue goes to him, 68? <laughs> Well, I just started eating my pasta, you know. <laughs> anyway, so we heard some other words that you don't often hear in church. Let's say. Anyway, he came back over, your wife. I said, I warned you. Three times I said, don't ask Sue. She will tell you the truth. <sighs> anyway, you know, at the end of it, anyway, his wife came in and she asked me what we did. And I ended up actually really witnessing to them. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, he was just like, what? But the wife was really nice. She's like, wow, that's really touched me. And you guys, you know, you both weren't Christians. We said, no, we became Christians. She goes, wow. Anyway, she said, I need to really think about what you shared. So it was really good. But this poor guy, I just thought, man, this is really, really, really very painful. This is actually not funny. It's actually, it is funny, but it's not because he's actually in great pain. And I realize that he's like a lot of us who are, uh, we're thinking of all the things that we need to do in life to be accepted with people. Not God, often. We're often always thinking, how do I get accepted by people? But we need to realize that God accepts you as you are. And when you have God's acceptance, you're going to begin to accept yourself. Nothing wrong with being healthy. That's great. Nothing wrong with exercise. Great. Look good. Great. All that. But this was his driving force. 
And I said to him, I end up saying to him, mate, you're going to be not on the planet shortly. At 70, you know, got to, if you get to 100, woo. If you get to 80, great. If you get to 90, great. But I said, you need to realize God wants you to live your life and enjoy it. He was like, oh. <laughs> you know, one Christian writer said this. He said, first I thought I was someone because I was moral. Then I thought I was someone, this Christian writer wrote, because I was attractive. Then I thought I was someone because I had money. Then I thought I was six, uh, successful because of what I'd done and where I'd helped. He goes, and then I realized I've been trying to save myself. Have you been trying to save yourself? My friend here was trying to save his life in this life. Have you been trying to save yourself in this life and in eternity? One of the things we've got to do, everybody, is get honest with ourselves and say, Lord, help me to get honest about where I'm at. Because when we get honest, we realize that God does not give you a to-do list. Obviously, I started to come to church. That's doing. I started to serve in God's house. That's doing. And all those things are in the Bible. But God doesn't give you a to-do list to be accepted by Him. You need to know the gospel is a done list. It's done. It's all done. There's no, not a to-do list. It's a done list. God says, I've done it. And, uh, and He says, and when I've done it and you're born again, you're actually, the Bible talks about regeneration, which is the act or the process of being regenerated, rebirthed, renewed by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. As I said uh, recently, when you're born again, your mind becomes spiritually illumined as well. Suddenly you're like, wow, truth, not truth, truth, not truth. I started hearing God's Word going, gee, that's the truth. Gee, that's the truth. Then I'd hear somebody's opinion. I'd go, gee, that's not the truth. <laughs> Once again, how do you know if you've been born again as Jesus described, everybody? You have this new sense you're not alone. I'm no longer alone. All the people who don't like being alone, suddenly you can be alone because you're not. Because Jesus is with you. Faith starts to rise out of you. Whether you've been full of fear, oh my gosh, always fearful, always negative, always fearful over money, fearful over this, fearful over that, stressed out over that, always spent $5 too more. We did this. Faith comes and you're like, don't worry about it. Let's trust God. That's fine. Not important. Faith is also an evidence of the new birth. The new birth also challenges our morality. When you're born by the Holy Spirit, suddenly things that, I wasn't even knowing in the Bible, I was convicted about by the Holy Spirit telling me, don't do that. Don't go there. And God was saying, but do do this. Do come over here. Come to my purpose. Come to my plan here. Do this, Jared. This is going to be great. Your love gets reordered. I touched on that uh, the other week. I just want to get that again. When you're born by the Holy Spirit, you know you're born. I'm, I'm sending these things out so you can do a little, hang on. Have I, is this me? Because then you know whether you're religious, which doesn't get us into heaven, or whether you're born again, which does. So your love gets reordered. What does that mean? You might have all over the place with people and relationships. Suddenly, I love God first, then your partner, then your children, and then you love the church. Why do you love the church? Because Jesus is coming back for the church come back for his bride. You can't say to uh, somebody getting married, hey, I love you, man, but your wife, she's cooked. 
a lot of people do that with the church. I love you, Jesus, but your church. Jesus says, hey, hey, I died for the church. I shed my blood for the church. I love my family, my body. So you don't want to be putting down his body. Your priorities get reordered. Priorities get reordered. That's how you know if you're really born again. Wow, your priorities just change. I went from the club to church. I went from serving self to serving others. I went from, I got five bucks and I'm always broke to beginning to save and prosper and then put finance into God's kingdom. I wanted to honor God. Then soon I started tithing where we were, you know, in our teens and we started putting God first. Then all of that set us up for a prosperity everywhere, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, physically, financially, all the lees. <laughs> you begin to prosper. Your priorities change. Some, if, you got, if you say you're a Christian and your priorities are just your priorities, I don't know if you're born again. If you choose a church by, as I said the other week, oh, I got a job offer there, 5,000 bucks more. I'm going to go down that church or go to that city. And you take that, I don't know if you're born again. I don't. Because you cannot take a job that is not directed by God's will as His priority. Because when you're saved, you're saved and called. So the Bible says you're saved and called. You're saved and called. So you're called with a purpose. So everything Sue and I, to be honest, if, you, if people are moving anywhere, church-wise or city-wise, really it's because God says, I need you there at a new level of service or a new level of responsibility. So for 40 years, here's the cue. Here's, learn this. Soon I've just gone, God's calling us. What's the issue? Oh, it's got a beach view. <laughs> We've never looked at that. The issue's always been, what do you want us to do, Lord? And he says, new level of service there, please. I need you to serve there at a new level. Lord, you caught us here. What's that? New level of responsibility. Every time. New level of service, new level of responsibility. Or that place is somewhere, you know, God's, God's calling you to be a pastoral person there, an evangelistic person in that workplace. But that's a new level of service. That's a new level of responsibility. Or maybe you're a business guy going, you know what? I'm, going, I'm doing this because, Lord, I hear you, I feel you. I'm going to be able to steward finances to help build your kingdom. Help Global Heart Church, if, it's, you know, if you're our church. Global Heart Church to help feed more children who are in need. Sponsor them through compassion. Build our church. So get what I'm saying? Your priorities get reordered. They just change. If your priorities are the same and it's your list, and then you go, oh, yeah, God, right. Yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, bless it all. <laughs> we write our priority list in our head, heart, and on paper. And then we're like, Lord, just, yeah, you bless that. And the Lord goes, I can't because you are Lord, not me. Lord, I just met somebody and they're from you because I saw a Bible on the toilet floor. And when I saw that Bible, I knew they're totally born again. Because you don't have a Bible in the toilet unless you're born again. So, some of you are going, well, that's how it happened. <laughs> Everybody, no. You're going, hang on. Priorities, what's your priorities? What's your priority? What's your priority? What's your priority? You want somebody who loves Jesus more than they love you. You want to keep relationship long? You're not yet married? Choose somebody who loves Jesus more than they love you. I had somebody in my office in here in the green room 10 years ago. 
say to me, Pastor Jared, how did my parent walk out of me? And just cried and cried and cried and cried. And said, I just can't believe they walked out of me. And I just shared my stories, able to help them. But they didn't listen. Didn't stay in God's house. Didn't put value on God's house. They just walked out on their child. 10 years later, in tears with me in the green room here. Tears. How did my parent walk out on me? And I said, well, God's rescuing you now. So make sure you're in God's house so you don't repeat it. Didn't listen. We always know better, don't we? We always know better. We don't. And that person just walked out on their child 10 years later. Your priorities are reordered and God starts to move with the new priorities in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're born again, everybody, you're under new management. If a restaurant out here is trying to tell you, hey, we've got new hospitality, we've got a new level of excellence, we've got a new level of service, our food's going to be better, we're going to be better, they put a sign up, under new management. Some of us need to get a T-shirt that says, under new management. You need to get a T-shirt, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workplace, I'm under new management. (laughs) I'm under new management. You can expect better now, not because of me, but because of the manager. (laughs) I'm under new manager and under new management and his name is Jesus. (laughs) Another thought, if you've been born again, tell the devil, I changed my mind. Repentance means to change your mind. Some of you need to tell the devil, "Uh, excuse me, devil, you've had me and my family for generations. Broken family. I just need to let you know, I changed my mind. I'm not going with you. I'm going with Jesus. I've changed my mind. Some of us need to make a declaration. I've changed my mind. Listen, and then change your address. (laughs) Some of you live in, in places and with people that God said, what are you doing there? I'm over here with this place and this people. If you don't think that people have a huge impact on your walk with God, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I can't walk with people who don't love God, care about God, care about His house. What am I going to give to my grandchildren? I will give those people's attitudes straight to them because they're going to be hanging with them. I don't care. I'm not going back to where my family came from. Alcoholism, depression, mental illness, immorality, family breakdown, family on suicide watch, etc., etc., etc. That's not going to happen easy. I have to say, hey, I moved to dress, people. Wishing you all the best, but I moved to dress. Come where I'm going, but I moved on. I'm over here. I'm over here. <laughs> oh, last couple of thoughts. You'll know you're born again because we have people, you'll know you've been, got the real deal, right? The real deal. Because people will get around you who knew you before you're born again and they're like, you've changed. You, you changed. What, what's happening? What's going on here? I remember I went to parties in Sydney that were in Roselle. Anybody know Roselle in Sydney? It's near the psychiatric hospital. At the parties, there were people in the occult, people in... Anyway, I go to these parties. I was only a kid. Shouldn't have even been there. Gee. And then I got saved. The person whose house it was held at went away somewhere for months. When they came back, I thought, I'm a Christian now. I should go and tell them about God, try and work, you know, go and share my faith. That's what I should do. Felt like God telling me. When they opened the door, they were like, Jared, threw their arms around me and then went, oh! 
what's wrong with you? They went, what's wrong with you? And they hugged me. I went, nothing, I'm great. And they went, no, they were, this is them in the house. Uh, what's happened? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And I went, no, no, I'm really great. I'm best ever. They're like, what do you mean? And then they were like, no, what's happened? What's going on? They were like, I said, okay, I became a Christian. And they said, I knew it's something like that. I could feel it. And I was like, I was like, oh. <laughs> He's in here. He's in here, people. <laughs> One of the occult girls arrived home who would talk to me. She walked in, saw me and walked off like this and the back door slammed shut we didn't go there the lock went on whole spiritual deal kicking in I was like well I know Jesus did that because that was none of me everybody people should see you. what is it what's happening but if they come along and go oh yeah love you always the same love you you never change you need to go oh wow What am I stopping God doing? What am I stopping God doing? Oh yeah, always, oh, they're always like that. They're always the same. Hang on. What am I stopping God doing? Because people should see and experience, not you, but the work of Him in you. Everybody stop fighting God. Start to agree with God. Stop fighting God. Start to agree with God. Stop fighting God. Start to agree with God. Somebody says, well, what about God saving me on my deathbed? What if I leave it to them? And can God save me on my deathbed? Some people say, can God save me on my deathbed? The answer is yes. But it's like saying this. When people say, oh, okay, I'll leave it to them. God can save me on my deathbed. I wrote this down for you. But it's like saying this. I want to be free. I want to be fulfilled. I want to be blessed. I want to prosper. I want to spiritually prosper. I want to emotionally and relationally and physically prosper and financially too, please. Have the most meaningful relationships. Have eternal life. Understand who I am. Know my purpose and fulfill it. But could I do it on my deathbed? That's what we say when we say, I'll leave it to then. (laughs) It's the same as saying, I want to be free, fulfilled, blessed, prosper, emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally, financially, have the most meaningful relationships, have eternal life, understand who I am and know my purpose and fulfill that purpose. But could I do it on my deathbed? Yeah, you can, you crazy cat. (laughs) Are we crazy? Why would we push out all the things that are actually going to bless us? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, because it's so in humanity today. I don't know what it is, but we love to sabotage the goodness of God. We love to sabotage the goodness. Just as it gets good, we move job. Just as it gets good, we move church. Just as it gets good, we just sabotage. Relationship, God brings the friends along, sabotage. God's trying to save you, sabotage, do it on the deathbed. God's trying to help you, sabotage it. God's trying to help you go back to all your old friends who knew how you used to be in the world. When you're all broken, join them again. Sabotage. Everybody, get your arm off the sabotage button. Get it off. 
put it down. And the only time you want to lift it is when the praise and worship starts. Say, Lord, I'm lifting my hands to You. I'm not going to sabotage any longer. I'm going to get stable. Stability releases your ability. Stability releases your ability. Stability releases your ability. But that doesn't come from you. That comes from being in His house, in His presence, and leaning into Him in Jesus' Name. This is your moment, everybody. This is your moment. Rick Warren said as I finished, through salvation, our past has been forgiven. Our present is given meaning. Doesn't everybody here need their present to be given meaning? And our future, Rick Warren said, is secured. Our future is secured. Today, your future is secured if you're born again. If you're not yet born again, today, your future can be secured in Jesus' Name. Can somebody say a big amen? Come on, can somebody say a big amen? Can somebody say a big amen? Stand up with me, everybody. Come on, team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.